Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. Went to the same church for almost 50 years, and I never really got what I thought that I wanted out of church, out of being there. So I tried to substitute. I was the person who would go 45 minutes early every week to pray my rosaries. We had a really hard year last year with uh, the passing of my father and myself being ill and my husband going through a lot. Um, And during that time, I felt as though I was being drawn. I was being pulled towards the summit um, that I wanted to go hear the message. I was really hesitant about coming and sat by myself in the back of the church. Did what anybody see me? Because I was like, oh my gosh, by the end, of that message I had raised my hand feeling as though like how did you know how did you know all the things that I was feeling so when I got home I of course went to check on my husband and he kept saying well what was it like and I couldn't explain it and finally after he asked me a bunch of times I just said it felt like this like a hug open-armed Um, loved, warm. It felt very inviting, like I should be there. I wasn't a stranger. I um, caught him then (laughs) watching church. He was doing his therapy and everything, and he was hiding in the bedroom, and the lights were all off, and I could see him with his Kindle, and I I was like, what are you doing? It's like 10.30 at night. What are you doing? He said, I'm watching church, and I was just like, you're doing what? And I thought to myself, you know, all these years you used to fall asleep in church and now you're watching church? I don't understand. Coming to church together here has brought my husband and I closer. We discuss church. We discuss, uh, you know, the message and discuss, you know, our, our favorite things and who we saw. And before, we never talked about church. You know, when you walked out of the door, it was over. And then you went Sunday again, and it was because it was your duty to go. So after we had been coming for many weeks then, it was time for the water baptisms. And I watched people walk out of all different ages, young ones, old ones, middle-aged ones, ones that were tattooed all up. And the tears just kept running out of my eyes. I was completely overwhelmed. I actually cried the entire way home. And I was talking to my husband and I said, you know, I don't know what being saved feels like. I don't know. I said, but if it feels like anything like I do today, right now, I know that I am. And I feel whole again. I feel as though all the pieces of the puzzle are coming together. I was blessed to have my entire family 
there with me on Mother's Day. The best thing was that my grandson, who's two and a half, actually had four generations of people in that line of seats. I guess all because I came by myself. And now I realize as he brought me, he brought others as well. This is what I was searching for and I found it. I found God. I love that story. My name is Mel Massingale. I'm the lead pastor here at the summit, and I just want to say thank you for worshiping with us today. I appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you for, for uh, making time in your weekend to be a part of what God is doing here at the summit. If you're a guest with us today, if this is your first time, or maybe you've been a few times, but you've never filled out a guest card, I would love for you to take a moment and fill this card out. It's in the seat back in front of you. If you would take a, a few seconds, fill this out, and then at the conclusion of our worship experience today, drop this off at the info center. When you do that, they're going to give you a free gift and say thank you for worshiping with us today. It's one of our summit mugs. They're also going to answer any questions you might have about the summit church. So, uh, so please fill that out, drop that off. We'd love to connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about the summit, you can also uh, connect with us via social media on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can find us by searching Indiana Summit Church, and you'll track us down. You can find out more about what we have coming up and things that are going on. So again, thank you for being here today. Also, want to welcome all of you that are watching online at summittogether.com, no matter where you may be or how you may be joining us today. I pray that God blesses you. So whether you're watching this live right now or maybe you're watching this after the fact uh, on our video, uh, video archives or, or the podcast, whatever it might be, thank you for worshiping with us, and I pray that God blesses you today. Uh, lots of things coming up, uh, lots of things going on, so let me share a couple of those with you before we move forward. Uh, I want to remind you, <clears throat> today following this worship experience, uh, we're having a membership encounter, and that's a membership luncheon uh, for people that are uh, been part of the summit for a while, but they have uh, haven't taken that step to join, so maybe you've been plugged in, you've gotten started serving or gotten started uh, in small groups or whatever it might be, but you haven't taken that next step. If you're interested in becoming a member, uh, that's for you today. Following the, the service, uh, we'll get wrapped up and we'll have that out in the lobby. Uh, brief luncheon takes about an hour, so answer any questions you might have and just talk about membership, what it looks like, what it means, uh, what you expect from the summit and what the summit expects from its members. So uh, we'd love for you to stick around if you've been part of the summit for church for a while now. If you haven't been part of the summit for a while, maybe you're brand new, maybe you've been here for a little bit, but you just haven't taken a step to get involved, um, Next weekend is for you. Following our 11 o'clock worship experience next weekend, we're going to have a luncheon called Discover, and that is for people who are uh, new to the summit, trying to figure things out and figure out uh, how to get involved, how to get plugged in. Uh, they want to answer questions like, what do you believe about, dot, 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 whatever it might be. Uh, maybe you just like to meet our staff. Uh, all those things happen at our Discover lunch, so we'd love for you to be part of that. If you're interested, you can register on our website, or you can register in our lobby at the Info Center as well. June 18th and 19th, a uh, really important weekend. We're going to be having baptisms. You saw uh, a little bit of what baptisms look like in the video we just showed with Marie. But uh, baptisms are a great time to celebrate changed lives and lives that have been made different. So we want to encourage you, if you've never been baptized before, but you're a follower of Jesus, this is a great opportunity for you to sign up, uh, get registered, and, and be part of our baptism experience. Because um, people can't see your heart but they, you might have a changed heart. Maybe God has made you different, but, uh, but you want to make an outward sign. You want to show the world 
who you serve and why you serve them. And so we would love for you to sign up for water baptisms coming up 18th and 19th. Uh, if you've got questions about that, you can uh, visit with us. We'd love to answer questions. So get plugged in to those as well. Uh, the last thing real quick is uh, we love missions here around here. We love sending people. We love sending money. We love empowering ministries. Um, our vision statement is every life made different, and we truly want to see every life made different for the glory of God, not just in Indiana, but around the world. And so we're sending teams all over the world this year to uh, to reach lost people and to help pastors and churches and things like that. And so uh, we have a team that's leaving on, on Friday. Friday? You leaving Friday? Is that right? Saturday. Okay, Saturday. Sorry that I forgot. Okay. Um, team's leaving on Saturday for El Salvador. And what we're going to be doing with all of our missions teams is we are going to take time uh, before they leave to have some prayer and just uh, to worship together and just believe that God's going to do big things for those teams. And so we have a night, this Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m., we're going to have a time of prayer here in this auditorium for our team that's going to be going for the nation of El Salvador. We're also going to be praying for the, the ministry that they're going to be working with. And so we'd love for you to be here and be a part of that. The first hour or so is going to be real low-key. We'll have worship music on, and it'll just be uh, kind of individual prayer. Uh, then from, six, uh, from 7 to 8, then we'll have a time of, um, of acoustic worship. Uh, is Bailey leading? I'm, I'm finding all this out just like you. Okay. Uh, Bailey's leading, right? Okay. So Bailey Engel, uh, who led today, she's fantastic. She's going to be leading. And it's just going to be a good time of really intimate worship. And uh, we're going to have some directed prayers specifically for our team, specifically for the nation of El Salvador. So we'd love for you to be here. So even if you can only come for a part of it, we'd love for you to be here and uh, pray with us and just believe. So if you're going to El Salvador or you have a friend or family member going, please be here that evening. Join us. We'd love to pray with you and just believe that God's going to do big things in El Salvador next week through our team. Um, I had told you a while back, I guess when it came to uh, when it came to our Imagine initiative back in October, we talked about the vision and what was coming up. And one of the things that was part of that vision was uh, was a building that we were going to build for our youth and kids ministry, a $3.5 million building, um, 19,000 square feet. And then I told you a few weeks ago that we uh, were going to be delayed because of some of the financing issues. So I just want to give you an update. Uh, I would love to tell you that everything's done, but I will tell you this. Uh, if this was a football game, we have driven the length of the field, and we've got the ball on the one-yard line. So that's a football analogy. So we're getting really, really, really close. And I will tell you this, our team, our staff, and our board has been working uh, feverishly trying to get things resolved to make sure that we can get this done quickly and efficiently. And so I'm appreciative of our team. I'm appreciative of our board and uh, what's what God's doing. And I'll tell you this, um, when I found out we were not going to break ground, I'm good, I promise. When I found out we weren't going to break ground when we planned, I was so disappointed. Oh, gosh, just, it was a bad day. And uh, I thought, God, what are you trying to do? What's happening? And God, you got your timing wrong. I know what I'm doing here, God. This timing is the right timing. You're messing things up for us. And has anybody ever had that, ever had that conversation with God where you're like, God, if you just listen to me, I got this one right. And... Um, and I'm so grateful that God truly is. His, his timing is better than our timing. And, and I'll share with you in a few weeks um, 
how everything has kind of conspired and how some things have come together. And I'm really grateful for God's timing. And if you would have told me that I was gonna be glad that we ended up getting delayed on our groundbreaking um, a month ago, I would have said, you're crazy, but I'm, I'm glad now for God's timing. It's worked out perfectly. And, uh, and, and ultimately we're gonna get in the building a little bit later than we had hoped, but uh, it's still gonna be fantastic. And we're still gonna see lots and lots and lots and lots of lives changed through the ministry that happens there and through this ministry. So guys, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for trusting leadership and our vision for where God is taking us. And thank you for your generosity. Without your generosity, we would not be able to do the things we do. We wouldn't be able to send hundreds of people all around the world uh, to reach people for the cause of Christ. We would not be able to build a big, gigantic building so that we can minister effectively to families and minister effectively to teenagers and kids. Uh, and it only happens because of your generosity. So thank you for that. Uh, if you're here today and you'd like to give, I wanna encourage you, if there's an envelope like this one in the seat back in front of you, you can uh, check this out. It gives you all the ways that you can give. Uh, if you wanna give with cash, you can drop your cash in this offering envelope, fill out the information, and then drop it in the offering box before you leave today. Um, at the summit, we don't pass offering buckets or plates around, uh, but there are offering boxes in the back of the room. So as you're leaving, you can drop your offering and tithe in there. If you wanna give with a check, make it out to the summit. If you wanna give with a debit or credit card, you can do that a couple of ways. The first is by going to our website, visiting our website at summittogether.com, and then just hit the give button and it'll tell you how you can do that. Or you can text your giving in by texting summit PA to 77977. It'll tell you how you can do that as well. So let me pray over the giving today, over the, the generosity, and then we'll uh, move forward with our worship experience. God, we love you. We're so grateful that you have been so generous with us. I pray that as we give back to you, God, we would truly see you work in our lives. But God, I pray that our lives would be made different. But God, I pray that the lives of people around this world would be made different as well. So God, thank you for giving so generously to us. As we give back to you today, I pray that, that we would be blessed, that you would be glorified. In your name we pray, amen. So today we're starting a new series. The new series is called James. We've been through this before. Whenever we do a series like on Ephesians or Philippians or whatever it might be, we call it Philippians or Ephesians. We don't change it up too much. Um, and so we're gonna be spending some time on the book of James. And we've done this the last few years during the summer. Uh, last year, we went through the Sermon on the Mount. We did 17 weeks on the Sermon on the Mount last year. Um, the year before that, we did the book of Philippians. And we spent 11 or 12 weeks in the book of Philippians. And this year, we're gonna be spending about 12 weeks on the book of James. Um, and this is my favorite book of the Bible. And I love the book of James. James was an interesting guy. And James was the, the uh, uh, brother of Jesus. They shared the same mother, Mary. Uh, and James didn't believe that Jesus was the son of God until after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So, so for a while, he just thought Jesus was a little bit crazy. And then at the end, uh, he realized who Jesus truly was. Um, James went on to be martyred in 80, uh, 62 AD. He also led, before that, he led the Jerusalem church, one of the most important first century churches uh, in the world. And he was the spiritual leader of that effort, and he was kind of the the overseer for the, the ministries of Jerusalem. So he had a really important role. When he wrote the book of James, it was written as a letter, and we'll get into that in a moment. But when he wrote this letter to believers, it was written to correct some things. And you would think first century church, that a lot of them had seen Jesus's ministry firsthand or they had heard about it from somebody who's seen it firsthand. You'd think that they wouldn't have any problems spiritually, right? Like you, they had seen Jesus, but these people had problems. Anytime you get more than one person in a group, there's gonna be conflict. If you're married, you understand that, right? 
Um, two people aren't going to get along all the time. They're not going to agree about everything. And so there was some conflict within uh, the churches. And so James wrote this letter to help correct some of the conflict, to correct some of the issues. There were spiritual conflicts on different beliefs. There were, um, there were socioeconomic conflicts between people who were poor and people who were rich. And so what he's trying to do is just correct some of these issues. Um, the theme, if there was a theme, a specific theme for the book of James, it would be living out our faith. It would be not just believing something, but living it out in a faithful way. And again, I think that rings true even today. There's so many churches in America that have, uh, if, if I could say, that, say it this way, there are churches all across America that are full of, of uh, Christian atheists, that we say we believe certain things, but our lives don't live that out. Our lives don't uh, con. con they don't confirm our beliefs. And so I think there are many, many believers in the United States who are struggling with the same thing that the early, the early church was as well, that our faith and our words don't line up. And so James is trying to bring correction to that. He's trying to help that. He's trying to give direction. And the reason I feel like James is such a, an important book, um, and it's one that when somebody asked me, they, they maybe are new to their faith, and they said, Mel, I'm, I'm brand new. What should I read? Should I start in Genesis? I go, no, don't start in Genesis. Don't begin at the beginning. Should I start in the Gospels in Matthew? And normally I'll say, nope, don't start in Matthew either. Start with James. And the reason James is so important is it's so practical. There's so many things that Jesus said that, um, that they're confusing. I'm a pastor of the church. I've been through Bible college. And they're still confusing at times. I'm scratching my head sometimes. But, but when you look at the book of James, it's straightforward, it's direct. He tells us what he thinks, he tells us how we should live, and it's, it's so applicable. Uh, in fact, if you look at the book of James, there's 108 verses, and 50 of the 108 verses are imperative statements. So they're commands, they're directives, how we should live, what we should be doing. And so it's really applicable for our lives. So we're gonna jump right into it. We're gonna start in James 1, verse 1. And this is what it says. It says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes of the dispersion, greetings. So this is just a greeting, that, and it's addressed to this group. Um, and the group that it's addressed to is the 12 tribes of the dispersion. Now, this might be a little bit confusing, but two weeks ago when we, uh, I was in, we were in the I Am series, we finished up with the, the sermon, Hello, My Name Is. And in that sermon, we talked about how the Babylonians came in, they conquered the Israelites, and they took a lot of the Israeli people, the Jewish people, out of their home, homeland and took them away, Right? Um, we talked about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the three Hebrew children. They were taken from their homeland. And what, what, what happened is the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and this was common at that time for, for kingdoms to do this. But what ended up happening is the Jewish people were scattered throughout the world. And it's known as the diaspora. That's the great dispersion. So what happened is these, these 12 tribes that were originally planted in the promised land ended up being scattered all over the free world. So you had uh, Jewish people who ended up in North Africa. You had people that ended up in Turkey. You had people that ended up in, in India, uh, all over the world. And they were scattered and they were dispersed. And so James is writing this as a letter of encouragement to the Jewish believers, the people who were Jewish traditionally, but recognized Jesus as their Lord and Savior, who were scattered throughout the world. So that's who this was intended for, but we can get so much out of it today. James chapter 1 verse 2 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when, we, uh, when you meet trials of various kinds. 
For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now that first verse there, verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. I talked to a guy last night before our worship experience, and um, greeted him when he came in. I said, hey, how you doing today? And he said, I'm doing well. I'm doing okay. And how was your week? He said, well, it was kind of a rough week. And I said, why was it a rough week? And he said, well, I lost my job. And do you know what I did not say to him? Count it all joy, brother. Congratulations. It's your lucky day. Because you know what would have happened? I would not have been able to preach because my nose would have been swollen so big. My eyes would have been swollen shut because he pummeled me because I was telling him to count it all joy that he lost his job, right? It's easy to look at this and think that it's a Christian cliche, that, that that's just what Christians are supposed to say. Um, but, but what James is saying here is he's saying, I'm looking at the big picture. If you look at the, if you look at the small picture, if you look at the moment, it's impossible to be joyful or happy when we lose a job, isn't it? It's hard to be excited when our bank account goes in the red, isn't it? You can't do it. It's impossible. But James is saying, don't just look at that moment. Look at the big picture. You've got to look, you've got to zoom out and see what, what else is going on. And one of the things that's really interesting is he, he doesn't say, count, count it all happiness, when trials come your way, but he says, count it all joy. And there's a big difference between joy and happiness. See, happiness, and we'll talk about this a little bit throughout this message, but happiness is circumstantial. Happiness depends on what's going on in my life. If my kids are good and healthy, my wife thinks I'm okay, my job is going all right, things are, things are just good, then, I, then I'm relatively happy. But if I get a flat tire on my way to work, and after I get my tire fixed, I get pulled over, and I get to work, and I find out there's layoffs, and I'm, they're cutting my hours, and right, th then you're going to come home, and you're not going to have a happy day. You're going to say, this day was stunk. It was terrible, right? But that's happiness. But what James is talking about is joy, and joy is a very different animal. Joy is dependent on our relationship with God. See, joy doesn't waver because of circumstances. Joy should be pretty constant in our lives. And so what, what James is saying is, hey, when difficult circumstances come your way, when trials come your way, count it all joy. You go again, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, let's look at the bigger picture. Because he says there, there's something to be produced here. He says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And now you're all going, oh, of course. Okay, now we get it. Well, no, steadfastness. Well, what is steadfastness? What does that really mean? Um, and steadfastness is a, a faithful endurance in trouble. That's what that means. So this is, this is what happens. Let me describe a situation. Somebody is pretty new to their faith. They begin coming to church. They begin serving God. They begin familiarizing themselves with scripture, just getting to know this thing, taking baby steps. And then, um, then bad news comes their way. I mean, and it's like a tidal wave. It just knocks them out. Before you know it, they're not in church anymore. They're not walking with the Lord anymore. Uh, they're, they're back involved in old habits, old ways. And they're going, well, wait a second. I guess this God thing didn't work after all. But what happened is um, everything about their situation was circumstantial. They looked at their circumstance and they were not able to endure because the circumstance seemed overwhelming. 
So it knocked them out and it knocked them down and they couldn't endure that. Now, I will tell you this, um, steadfastness doesn't necessarily mean that we're gonna come through a situation unscathed. But what it means is we're gonna faithfully endure a difficult situation. So what it means is that there are things that are gonna happen in our lives that might not always be what we would want to happen, but we're gonna be able to endure that instead stand fast through that and bring glory to God. Now, it might mean you're gonna make it through a situation and you might be bloodied and battered and bruised and you might have a bunch of scars when you're through it, but you're gonna survive it because God is good, because we lock ourselves into God. We lock ourselves into who he is. We trust him. So what does it say? Testing of your faith produces steadfastness, right? So when trials come, that testing, if we're faithful to the Lord, it produces something in us. It produces a faithful endurance in spite of trouble, right? And then what happens? And it says, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what happens? Well, we endure the difficulty. We endure the hardships. We stand in spite of that. We come through it and we're weathered and we're battered and we're hurt, but we made it through. And what happens then is it says that we are perfected. It says that when it has its full effect that you may be complete and perfected, lacking in nothing. Now, we've talked about this word perfect uh, before or perfect or perfected, but it's not the same idea of like you take a test in school and you get 100%, it's a perfect score, right? So sometimes we think of being perfect as I don't have any problems, I'm never gonna have a bad thought, I'm never gonna uh, spout off in a bad way, I'm never gonna have a fight with my wife, I'll be perfect. But that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is uh, maybe we could superimpose a word mature in for perfect. That's really what it's talking about. It's talking about when we are steadfast, when we understand what that means and we endure and stay locked into the Lord, it produces maturity in our life. So what James is saying is when trials come your way, take joy, not in the circumstances, but what it's gonna produce in you someday. Because if we will take joy in knowing, man, I'm gonna be closer to God than I've ever been in my life. I'm gonna be able to to walk in in a steadfast way through this and glorify God. That doesn't make our circumstance better, but we can take joy in that, knowing that God's gonna protect us, God's gonna walk us through this, and that ultimately it's gonna lead to us being mature. It's going to lead to us being perfected and complete, lacking in nothing. James chapter 1 verse 5 says this. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Aren't you thankful for that? I'll be the first one to confess to you. I have used this verse out of context before. Um, I'll be talking to somebody and they'll say, Mel, I don't know what to do. You know, I've got this decision to make. And I'll say, hey, you know what? God said, if any of you lack wisdom, let them ask. And God's gonna give you wisdom generously, right? And yeah, but this isn't exactly what that means. See, when it's talking about wisdom in this context, it, it, you have to link it back to the previous verses. So when it says, count it all joy, when trials come your way, because it produces steadfastness, and steadfastness produces maturity. And then it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask, Right? What it's saying is, if we encounter trials and trouble and struggles and difficulties and we're staring down the barrel of a hard day and we go, God, I don't know how I'm gonna endure this. I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. I don't feel like I'm gonna be able to survive it. That's when God says, if you lack wisdom, ask. God, I'm not smart enough to figure out how to get through this day. 
God, I'm not smart enough to, ha- to figure out how to f- fix this situation. God says, you don't have to be. If you lack wisdom, ask, and I'll help you. See, I want you to be steadfast, but you don't have to figure it out on your own. I want to help you with that. And it's interesting because it goes on to say, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And this, this statement without reproach, the meaning is, well, let me give you an example. Have you ever had to ask somebody for something? Maybe as an adult, you had to ask your parents for some money. And you know how uncomfortable that was? Hey, um, would it be okay if we moved back in with you? Lost my job. Hey, um, we had some, some trouble. Um, can, can, can we borrow some money? And, and maybe your parents have said something like, you're 30 years old. You shouldn't be borrowing money from your parents. Yes, you can borrow the money, but you shouldn't have to be doing this. You're too old for that. Maybe you've never encountered that, but maybe you have. What that is, it's a reproach. So they're saying, okay, I'm gonna loan you the money, but I'm really disappointed that you're even asking me for the money. And see, when we approach God, James says we can approach God without reproach. We're not gonna go to God and go, God, man, I'm struggling and I'm, I'm having a hard time and I don't know how I'm gonna get through this situation. I feel desperate and I feel hopeless and I don't know how I'm gonna make it. God's not gonna go, I knew it. <sighs> Typical. You're such a disappointment. Yeah, I'm gonna help you, but I'm gonna do it reluctantly. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it because I'm good, I guess, but No. God goes, yes, absolutely, I wanna help you. I, I'm gonna help you without hesitation. Yes, I wanna, I wanna help you endure this trial, this circumstance, this storm of your life. I wanna help you get through that. So I'm gonna give you wisdom. I'm gonna tell you how to do it. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna equip you emotionally and spiritually. So God wants to help us. He wants to give us wisdom to navigate the difficulties of our lives, the, the trials of our lives, if we'll simply ask. In James chapter one, verse six, it says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. Now, when I was younger, I used to believe um, and then when I prayed, if I had any doubt at all, God wasn't gonna answer my prayer. So God was examining my heart for any doubt at all. And if I doubted how he was gonna re- respond to my prayer, then that nixed the prayer. It invalidated my prayer. And maybe you're here today and you believe that. I do not believe that way any longer. So when we look at this passage of scripture, you go, well, how do you reconcile what you just said with this passage of scripture? And this is how we do it. Because when you look at this passage of scripture, it's, it's dealing more with our view of God's character and nature than it is the outcome of our prayers. Does that make sense? Well, let, me, let me go back a couple weeks. Um, I mentioned this earlier, Hananiah um, as Azariah and Mishael, the three Hebrew children, we talked about this two weeks ago. Um, they were commanded to worship Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't worship me, I'm gonna throw you in the fiery furnace. You're gonna burn alive. And these three boys said, you know what? God's gonna save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not gonna worship you. Now what they were saying is, our obedience is not connected to how God answers our prayer. 
our obedience is connected to God's character and nature. Because we know God is good, we're not going to worship you no matter what. We think God's going to save us, and we're going to pray that God rescues us. But if he doesn't rescue us, that does not mean that God is a bad God. That does not mean that we didn't have enough faith. It just simply means that God is sovereign, and God can do whatever he wants. Have you ever told your kids no? Hopefully, hopefully you have, okay? Maybe you haven't. Uh, We need to talk later. I tell my kids no all the time. That is not the answer they want to hear. But many times I know something they don't know. Many times I see a part of the picture they don't see. So I have to tell them no. And it's usually for their benefit. They don't always understand it, but it's for their benefit. And there are times in our lives that, that we pray and God says no. And we go, well, wait a second. Maybe I didn't have enough faith. Maybe I had too much doubt. Maybe, maybe God's not a good God. And there are things that we don't see. And so what this passage is really talking about is it's, it's not saying if you even have a tiny shred of doubt about the outcome of this prayer, God's going to invalidate the prayer and you're a terrible Christian. What it's really saying is when we pray, trust God deeply, trust his heart, trust his character, trust his goodness, and then leave the outcome to him. Pray, seek, continue to press into God, ask him. He's not offended by that. But don't let your faith be shaken because he doesn't answer the prayer the way you thought he should. See, my view of God and his goodness can't be dependent on my circumstances. If my view of God is dependent on my circumstances, I'm constantly, I'm constantly gonna be a mess because he answers some prayers, but other prayers he doesn't answer. So it says you're like a double-minded man who's thrown by the waves, by the wind, That's how we live our lives. That's why we get uh, Christian atheists because we say we believe one thing, but then we live our lives as if we believe another. And this is what we see. One of the themes that that James talks about is the, the Christians, the people who believe in Jesus, but then they still live and think in a worldly way. They think the same way the world thinks. And that's how the world lives. The world does things according to their feelings and their thoughts and just what feels right. And James says, don't do that. You're like a double minded man. So we cannot allow our circumstances to determine how we view God. See, last week and the week before, man, we talked about some really emotional things. If you missed the last couple of weeks, it was um, lots of tears the last couple of weeks. And not just from me. Usually I'm the only one crying, but there were lots of tears throughout the room. And the reason was is because we talked about some, we kind of dug up and uncovered some really deep emotional things. Some of the things from our past, some difficulty. Um, last week, our guest speaker talked about some of his abuse that he endured as a child. And I know that there are a lot of you in this room that maybe, maybe that, that resonated with you. Two weeks ago, we talked about our identity and who we are in Christ and, and, and not allowing the enemy to identify us. And for some of you, man, that really rung true with you and you really struggled with that. And it kind of brought some things back. And I just want to remind you that God brought you through those things. That God is a good God. It's easy to look at our past and think, God, what were you thinking? Did you disappear? Did you even love me? Why did I get abused? Why did I get abandoned? Why was I picked on? Why why was I told the things about me that I was told? Why didn't I feel loved? The thing is, God was with us the whole time. He never forgot about you. And as we see, James said, you know what? We walk through those things and God matures us. God grows us. God 
God brings us to a point where we press in toward him, where we say, God, I need you desperately. And our reliance on him grows and he uses that for his glory. So I wanna encourage you in that today that you're not alone. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. That's what it says in James 1, verse nine through 11. It says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltations and the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass, he will pass. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers fall and the beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuit. And again, this is a delineation between what James is saying is worldly views and Christian views. Because he said the world views things in such a way and says, hey, if you drive a nice car and you live in a nice house and you wear the right clothes, then you're going to be accepted. But if you live in this kind of house and you live in this kind of neighborhood and you have this kind of job, then... And we all have biases if we're not careful. If we don't submit that to God, we all have biases if we're not careful. And, and so what, what James is saying is do away with these biases because God does not have them. God's not impressed by how much money you have in your banking account. God's not impressed by your job title. God's not impressed by what the car is you drive. Uh, God's not impressed by how big your house is because all those things mean is you probably have a bigger house payment and you probably have a bigger car payment. You probably have more debt. That's all that means. So God's not impressed. God looks at you and he sees potential in every single one of you. And this is what James is saying. Don't be impressed by people's job or what they drive or where they go. None of that stuff should matter to us because it doesn't matter to God. That's why, hello, I'm wearing blue jeans, well, black jeans, and an untucked shirt. And um, there are people in, in our town that think you can't worship if the pastor is dressed like this, right? But God doesn't care. It doesn't make any difference to God. We got people that show up to church, cut off t-shirts, and we don't care. God, God's not going, well, now I can't show up and minister in their presence because they're not dressed right. God's not impressed by that stuff. People are, but God's not. James chapter one, verse, um, verse 12 says this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. Again, we come back to this theme. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Now, this is talking about two things. Number one, it's talking about the victor's crown that we'll receive in heaven someday. And this is the crown that, um, that we'll all receive and that we'll ultimately throw at the feet of Jesus. But where it's also talking about, I truly believe it's talking about on earth, a victor's crown was given in, uh, in athletic games, so especially in Rome and ancient times. Uh, and we see this today in the Olympic games. The Olympic games have their roots in, in ancient Rome and Greece, um, and what they would do in, in the games is they would compete and they wouldn't get a medal at the end, a gold, silver, or bronze. They would get, a, the winner would receive a wreath. So it was just a wreath of some leaves. They would put it on their head and it was a victor's crown is what it was called. And so they would wear it through the town after the games. It was kind of like carrying a trophy around a little bit. And you're like, hey, hey, Jim, what's the trophy? And you're like, oh, it's my bowling trophy. My team won. Did I not tell you? Well, yeah, I've got my trophy here. I'm like, oh, okay, congratulations. You're just carrying it around with you. You go to big meetings, you set your trophy down. They're like, what is the trophy for? Oh, I won a big, big, big bowling league, you know. I had a bowl 280. I'm kind of a big deal, you know. But what he did is he'd wear this wreath around on his head. And he'd wear it and people would see him in public and they would cheer and they would celebrate and they would congratulate. But in time, that wreath would wither and die. In time, that wreath would go away. 
And I really believe at the end of the day, when we look at this passage, there are two applications. I think one is for this world. I really believe that when we endure our tragedy and our trial and our difficulty, and we endure it in in a steadfast way, I truly believe there's reward for us here on earth. I truly believe God wants to bless us and speak into us. Now, it might not be a pile of cash. Maybe it's that God just gives you peace at night so you can rest, you can sleep. Maybe God blesses your marriage, your relationship, whatever it is. I don't know. God's going to bless you, though. But I also believe there's an eternal blessing that comes with steadfastness, with enduring, with trusting the Lord, with pressing into him. Um, This last week, Muhammad Ali passed away, and he had this to say. He said, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. It's so easy to quit when things get hard. It's so easy to say, I wanna quit this marriage. I wanna quit this job. I wanna quit this church. I wanna quit this faith. I, wanna, I just wanna walk away because it's hard. But that's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to be steadfast, to endure in spite of troubles, in spite of trials, in spite of difficulty. Verse 13 says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. So, When you're tempted to do something stupid, you can't say it was God, because God doesn't do that. So immediately we default and go, ah, it's the devil. The devil made me do it. I got bad news for you. It's probably not the devil either. There's just one of the devil. See, if we all pray to God, God is omniscient, so he can hear all of our prayers at once and he doesn't get confused or distracted, okay? I can't listen to the radio and talk on the phone at the same time. I, I, I get distracted, right? Two things at once, I'm in trouble. But, but God doesn't get distracted. He is able to do that because he's a creator. The devil is one. He was created. So probably the junk in your life is not because the devil's attacking you. Maybe. Maybe not, though. Do you, you wanna know where your temptation comes from? You're gonna love this part. Verse 14 says this, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. I am the problem with me for the most part. It's not that the devil's out to get me. I'm my own worst enemy. Verse 15 says, then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it's fully grown brings forth death. See, we, te- we tend to tempt ourselves. I know guys that, that they struggle, and, and gosh, pornography is such a huge issue in our world. But even things like going through the, the checkout line at the grocery store, and there's all these magazine covers and all these women dressed scan, you know, in a scandal, a, a scandalous kind of way, very scanty. And guys are like, "Man, I struggle because I'm seeing this stuff everywhere." And, and I want you to know something. I, I, there's a, there's a way to combat that. God has given you a tool. Can I reveal that to you right now? Can I, can I tell you? Are you ready? This is, this is gonna change your life. It's this right here. It is your neck. It's amazing. It's an amazing tool. You look at something and you look away. It's shocking how that works. Well, there's people that struggle with gossip. I don't wanna gossip, but it's just, I, I'm around these people and I, I got, I've got a tool for you. Do you know what it is? It's your feet. You just walk away from a conversation. It's amazing how the gossip ends after you walk away. You don't even hear it anymore, right? God has given you the tools to avoid temptation, but many times we take ourselves to temptation. We lead ourselves to the place that that we get tempted. Then we blame God or we blame the devil. It's not their fault, it's our fault. 
So we need to guard ourselves from temptation better. We need to put better roadblocks and, and barriers in place to keep us from going places we shouldn't. Verse 16, I know you like that part. I was gonna stick with that part for a while, but I'll just move on. I, mean, I know you like it though. Verse 16 says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift, now listen to this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from the Father above, coming down from the Father of lights. This is what I wanna remind you of. I love how James does this because he brings it back to this place that he reminds us of the character of God. He reminds us of God's goodness. So what he's trying to do is help us remember in spite of our circumstances, in spite of our difficulty, in spite of what's going on around us, in spite of who wins the election, in spite of what our job circumstances are, in spite of all these things, we have to remember that at the core, God is a good God. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God. Think about your life, and you might be here and you're going through a struggle and a trial, difficulty. You might be thinking, man, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. I've got good news you can ask. Ask God to give you wisdom. He'll give it to you. You might be here today and you're questioning God's goodness. I would ask you to do this. Think back to your life and every good thing that you enjoy, every good thing you're thankful for in your life. And you have to recognize that everything in your life that you enjoy is a gift from God. It has been given to you. And that should be a reflection of God's character and his nature and his goodness. And when we remember God's goodness, it makes it so much easier for us to endure our hardships because we know we've got a good God that's walking us through our difficulty, walking us through our hardship, and then we're not in it alone. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the opportunity we have to serve you and to know you. And God, I'm thankful that we are not in this life alone. That God, uh, you promised us many things, but God, you never promised that we wouldn't endure suffering. And so God, I pray as difficulty comes our way, God, I pray that you just minister in us. God, I pray for those that are here that are dealing with things from their past. God, I pray for healing and restoration in them. God, I pray that you would put pieces back together, but God, remind them of how you brought them through. And it might've been difficult and it might've been hard. And Lord, they might have the scars to prove where they've been, but God, those scars also prove that they're still alive. So God, thank you. Thank you for bringing us through difficulty in our past. God, I pray for those that are here today that are struggling with a situation right now. God, I pray that you would remind us of your goodness, remind us of your faithfulness, remind us of your love. God, I pray that you would help us get our eyes off of our circumstance and get our eyes on the big picture. Help us see that there is something much bigger at work here than just simply our current circumstance. So God, help us see what the big picture is. God, help us to see that you've got a purpose and a plan for us and that plan involves us being perfected in you. So God, I pray that we'd be submitted to you, that we would trust you. Even when you don't answer the prayers the way we want you to, God, let us trust your goodness. Let us trust your heart. Help us, God. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I wanna ask if you're here today and you're not really walking with Jesus, you haven't really made him Lord of your life, or maybe at one point you did, but you've walked away from him, Maybe it was because of a circumstance or situation came along and wiped you out. And you just said, man, this thing isn't for me. God's, maybe God's not good. Whatever, 
whatever the case might be, you ended up at a place today where you're not walking with God, but you say, Mel, I want to. I want to know Jesus. I want to make him Lord of my life. I want to start or restart a, a relationship with him. And if that's you, I'm not going to make you come forward or embarrass you. I want to pray with you right where you are. So if, if you're here today and you acknowledge that and you say, that's me, pray for me, Mel. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. If that's you, would you raise your hand real high where I can see it? And I'll acknowledge it and you can put your hand down. Is there anyone? Thank you over here on my far left. Appreciate it, sir. You can put your hand down. Praise God. Thank you. Thanks. Up in the balcony. I see you, ma'am. Praise God. Who else? Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. You say, that's me. I want to join these. Thank you, ma'am. Up in the back. Thank you. Praise God. Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. Okay. I'd like everyone in the room, whether you raised your hand or not, just to repeat a really simple prayer after me. So repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for paying the price for my sin on the cross. Today, I am yours. I'm never going back to my old ways or my old thinking or my old life. Today, I am new and I am yours. Use my life. For your glory. I choose to chase after you for the rest of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, come on. Let's celebrate what God has done in this place today. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Listen, if you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to encourage you. There's a card that looks like this one in the seat back in front of you. Take a moment, fill out the side that says salvation or rededication. We want to help you with your next step. Um, walk with Christ is so much more than just saying a prayer. We want to help you on this journey so when circumstances come your way, you can steadfastly endure those problems, those circumstances. And the only way we do that is by growing in our faith. And we want to help you do that. So fill this card out. Drop it in the offering box as you leave today. You can also sign up for our water baptisms on the 18th and 19th. We would love for you to be a part of that. And we would love to celebrate with you what God is doing in your life. So let us know about that. We want to help you with it. At this time, the worship team is going to lead us in one more song. And then after that, Bailey will be dismissing us. But as we sing together, our, our prayer team is on either side of the stage. And our prayer team would love to pray with you about whatever your needs are. So maybe you're here today and, and you're like that person. You had some stuff from your past that was kind of drug up. And you need to pray with somebody about it. Maybe you're here today and you're walking through a circumstance that seems overwhelming. We want to pray with you about that and pray that God would give you wisdom. Whatever the case is, if you need prayer, don't you dare leave here without getting prayer today. If you're watching online, you want to email us your prayer need, email us your need to prayer at summittogether.com. Let us know about that and we'll pray with you. Why don't you stand to your feet all over the room? We're going to worship together one more time and then we'll be dismissed. Guys, I tell you often, but I want you to remember it. I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.